knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he responded, I've kept all of these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples. So Jesus told them again, children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, it's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Peter said to him, look, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, I assure you that anyone who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms because of me and because of the good news will receive 100 times as much now in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, and in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. These are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, Common Table. How's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Happy first week of Lent. Are you supposed to say happy Lent? I don't know. I don't think you are. It's, it's not a time of happiness per se. But I, being a seven on the Enneagram, I always want things to be fun. So um, here you go. Happy Lent! Um, listen, that is my favorite verse. Um, the first, oh no. The first shall be last and the last will be first. If there's ever a long line, it's great to use that text on people. And um, it's really great because then people will be like, oh, well, you go first then. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, you are the best. That was a bad joke. Anyways, I'm glad you're here this morning. Lent is an invitation um, really for us to hit pause. I know I joked and said happy Lent, but it's an opportunity for us to push pause on our busy lives for 40 days. Um, Lent allows us to really step back and to reflect and grow before celebrating Easter and the resurrection of Christ. So during Lent, um, some will examine our lives and see something that is preventing us from approaching this resurrected Christ. The goal is not to necessarily deprive ourselves, but to be mindful of what is keeping us from experiencing a real encounter with this risen Christ. And in some ways, Lent is a quiet invitation, think about it this way, to reconnect with yourself, <laughs> your true self, not your false self that's often hidden to us because of the amount of stuff and our possessions and the things that we grip to, but our true self so that we might experience all that God has for us, paving a way for this union, if you will, with the resurrected Christ. I desperately want 
a transformational experience with Jesus. So the willingness to let go is the Lenten process. Does this make sense? Have you ever considered the wants in your own life? I think if we're honest, I bet our laundry list of wants is long. I, I want to be more generous. I want to spend more time in spiritual practice with my spiritual director. I, I want to go to the gym. I was talking today that I want to run one mile. Just one mile, Leah. I want to take more time to rest. I want to eat right. I can keep going if you want. It's easy to want, isn't it? But it's hard to be willing. It's easy to want. It's easy to want things. And we can come up with a quick list of the things we want in our life. But it's actually really hard to be willing. There was this punk band from Richmond. They're called Avail. I grew up listening to this punk band. And they had broken up a few years back. And they decided to reunite on the 21st anniversary of their iconic album, Over the James, at the National. And it was like the biggest thing to happen in the punk scene in a long time here in Richmond. And everyone was so excited. And I begged Devin after our newborn son, Howdy, was born at the time. I said, please let me go to this show. I have to be there. I can't miss it. And uh, Devin hummed and hawed for a few hours being like, I don't know. Like, aren't you too old? Aren't you going to get hurt? Like, are you sure? And I was like, I have to be there or my punk credentials will be taken away from me. Finally, at 10 p.m., she said, yes, you can go to the show. Um, and me, knowing this, that this show was going to be huge, I knew that I needed to buy tickets in advance. I wanted to go to the show, but suddenly I found out that in order to get tickets to this show, I would have to camp out on Broad Street. And apparently the line was wrapping around Broad Street at the National to get, um, to get the tickets. I wanted to go but I recognize the fact that I'm bougie now, and I am not gonna camp out on the streets of Broad Street. I don't care what band is playing. I wanted to go, but I wasn't willing to go. And it's funny how our wants from, uh, form us into the people that we are. Isn't it funny, like if you were to look at the list of wants in your life, it really forms you into the person that you are. This is what's so compelling about our scripture reading today. We can identify with the young rich ruler and his desire, his wants. We can all identify with the moments and recognize that there is something significant lacking in our life. And we try our best to fill that gap by all these long laundry lists of wants. Mark picks up on a moment of Jesus' life when he was on the outskirts of Judea. Just a chapter before our reading today, um, we find that Jesus was having all these children brought to him. In the first century uh, Roman Empire, I, I want to explain something to you. Children were considered second-class citizens. Um, if, if you didn't want your child, or if your child was being annoying, you would just throw them out on the streets for days on end, hoping that they could fend for themselves. You could just throw them out, and um, they would have to figure it out. Children had no right 
And so when large crowds of children began to approach Jesus, his disciples rightfully began to shoo them away as a nuisance and get out of here. But Jesus rebuked his disciples and welcomed the children who were just willing. They were just willing with unbridled hesitation to come to Jesus. Coincidentally, in our text, we are approached by another young person. We know that he's young because the ancient Greek word that is used in the original Koine Greek is uh, neanikos, and it is translated roughly as young man. This young man wants something because our text tells us that he runs to Jesus. And he asks the good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Something is missing from my life despite all that I have, despite all this wealth I have accumulated, I still have something that is missing from my life. You see, when your identity rests in things that are temporary, your life suddenly loses meaning, doesn't it? This man said to Jesus, listen, I have it all. I've done it all. I've kept the commandments. I've done everything that is required of me to be good in this culture. And yet there is still something in my soul that is hungry for more. What must I do to finally inherit this life that I've been hearing about? What must I do so that my legacy won't be temporary but will be eternal. In um, Christian mystic theology, the early desert mothers and fathers of our faith, the concept of purification, illumination, and union are often linked and described as stages of the soul's journey toward a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. This is part of the process of becoming one with Christ. It is the process of purification, illumination, internal looking, and then ultimately union with yourself and with Christ. This man, he was on the right path. He nailed purification. He knew the codes and the laws to follow to be good. He nailed illumination. He was self-aware enough to know that something was not right in his life. And his only response was to run to this radical Messiah who was teaching a new way to find faith. And when the text tells us something so chilling, so terrifying, that it could come straight out of a Jordan Peele film. Jesus looked at the man carefully and he loved him, and he said the words that are terrifying to any overachiever. You are lacking. You are lacking. You're missing something. You're missing out. You don't get it. Yeah, you have everything, but yet you lack. In other words, surrounded by stuff, yet still seeking something. 
my hunch is, is that some folks in here today, you, you look at your life, you look at your stuff, you look at the things that you've surrounded yourself by. You may have nailed purification, you may have nailed illumination, but there is still something that you're lacking in your life. And when you hear those words from Jesus that he speaks with love and kindness because you are God's beloved child. When he looks at you with love and says, you're lacking. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare that if, if I think we're being honest, we've all felt out of union, out of step, out of pace with God and our true selves. It's so exhausting to hold on and cling to your false self, isn't it? Because it gives you nothing in return. It drains you. It requires of you. And just when you think you've arrived, you're reminded that there's still something that you lack. Like the young man, many of us have felt this before. This text is showing us a deep irony that the things we often lack is the lack itself. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered that the thing we actually lack is the lack itself? The self-emptying so that we can be much more than we've been deceived into thinking we are. I, I want to pastorally tell you we are so much more than the things we surround ourselves with. You are. Your, your true self is beloved by God. And you don't have to hide. But man, are we good as humans as hiding. Coincidentally, the first words from God in Genesis is, where are you when Adam and Eve are hidden from their creator? And I'm wondering if God is whispering those same words to us today. Where are you? When he looks lovingly at his children and says, there's something you lack. Lent shows us a pathway to union, and that pathway is death. Only a sense of death can open us up to the possibility of transformation, the reinventation re of ourselves. This is where Lent invites us. It's funny that if you look closely at our text, we see that Jesus models this same behavior that we are invited to. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? The one God is good. Why are you giving me alkalades? I don't need them. I don't need more stuff surrounding me. 
My identity, my true self, is found in the union with God. My Father, less of me, more of God. The young man wanted, didn't he? He wanted, but he wasn't willing. So he walked away saddened. And this is shocking, right? It leaves us, the disciples, later in our reading, wondering who can even get into heaven? It turns out that it's the wrong question to ask because it's not about getting into heaven, actually. It's about making space for heaven to live within your heart. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want the man's money. He wants the man's heart. And he correctly identifies that the young man wants something completely different. Heaven and the burdens of stuff cannot exist in the same plane. What do you grip that coincidentally has a grip on you? What is your heart so attached to that it can't possibly make room for the one thing that you lack. Remember the children that were brought to Jesus that I mentioned. Look at these two verses from that text. Truly I tell you, when he's talking about the children, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I have a question for you to contemplate. What do little children have competing against their love for Jesus? In a world where children are second-class citizens, what do children, they don't have a 401k, they don't have a job, they don't have a concern or a care. They're wondering if they're going to be able to play hide and seek. What do children have competing against the love of Christ? The answer is they have nothing. They have nothing. There's one thing you lack. And it's the lack itself. This Lent, I want you to take a moment and examine your life. What has a grip on your heart? This is just a real honest inventory of stuff that surrounds you. The things that make your identity. I know I have a long list of things I cling to. I really do. I would ask that you don't just give up for the sake of giving up. Don't just give up chocolate and be like, ah! chocolate has a grip on my heart but it might be something that you need to add to your life for me it was reconnecting i'm going to just be honest i i told amanda in our staff meeting amanda's our intern she's in the back she is tremendous a great leader smart sharp way smarter than any of the rest of us on staff she's awesome um we're very grateful for her but i was telling amanda the the thing I added to my life was meeting with my spiritual director again. It had been a long time. And by meeting with my spiritual director again, I have reconnected with my true self again. I'm, tr I'm trying to reconnect with my true self. 
one thing I want to remind you of that I was reminded of. Spiritual practice, it has to be practical to your life. Practice has to be practical. So if it's something that you add, make it something that, that works with your life so that you'll actually do it. This Lent, I want to invite you to do that. Like the mystic teachers tell us, we embody purification, illumination, and ultimately union with Jesus so that we can see what fruits will grow because of it. The next thing I want to invite you to do, if, if, if you're thinking, like, what can I possibly add? Um, I want to invite you to maybe add just reciting this verse. Um, it's something you can recite every single day over Lent. Let's go to the next slide here, if I have it. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, good. Um, this comes out of Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Create a clean heart, purification for me, God. Put a new faithful illumination spirit inside of me. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. Return the joy of your salvation, union with Christ to me and sustain me with a willing spirit. Not a wanting spirit, a willing spirit. Allow this verse to be spoken over you each and every day during Lent if you're looking for some sort of practice to add. Friends, may we be people that are willing to find our true selves in Christ Jesus this Lent. Amen.